Welcome to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get help and guidance through the chaos of parenting a child with anxiety or OCD. This show is for educational purposes and is not intended to replace the guidance of a qualified professional. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. Today, I'm going to be tackling a topic that comes up all the time with somebody who I am so honored to have on the show with Dr. Ellie Leibowitz from the Yale Child Study Center, who developed the SPACE program. And the SPACE program is a fantastic framework to approach kids with anxiety or OCD or, or and or OCD, because it really is very parent focused. And if you are raising a child with anxiety or OCD, like I am, you know, to the power of three, <laughs> or you're a therapist, you understand that sometimes you have a child who is unable or unwilling or a combination of both to work on their struggles. And every family, myself included, gets involved with anxiety and OCD. It's literally impossible not to. We interact. It is a family affair. And we play our role in how we respond to our child's anxiety or OCD. And that is why I invited Dr. Ellie Leibowitz to come on the show and talk about his space program, because it's really the only program, the only like therapeutic modality that I've seen out there that is out there that is not dependent on your child's buy-in or their motivation. If you have that, that's fantastic because it can only help. It can't hurt, but it's not dependent on that. And we all do things to accommodate our child's anxiety or OCD, and we all respond in certain ways that can grow or minimize that behavior. And we do clarify as I, as I talk to him that it's not about parents causing these behaviors because n- most of us are not doing that. It's you know highly genetic and so it's a physiological issue, but it's how do we respond to those things? And his research is showing that when we change the way we respond, when we change our own behaviors, we actually change our children as well, which is empowering and hopeful. So I hope that you guys enjoy my interview with Ellie Leibowitz. Definitely check out his new book is coming out called Breaking Free of Child Anxiety and OCD, a Scientifically Proven Program for Parents. He has a somewhat textbook version of it called Treating Childhood and Adolescent Anxiety, a Guide for Caregivers. This one is definitely more parent-friendly. It's a paperback and it's coming out January 2nd, but you can pre-order it now and I highly recommend it. And you'll learn more about his program in this interview. So without further ado, here is Dr. Ellie Leibowitz. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, it's such an honor because I reference your work like literally every day because it really speaks to the parent that is frustrated and in the past would stump me with what do I do if my child doesn't want to work on their anxiety or OCD? Now I feel like you've given me an answer. So thank you for that. But I want to dive into what is the space program. Let's talk. Let's just start with generalities, and then we'll move into more specifics. You can talk mm-hmm. to people about what the program is that you created. So, space, which stands for supportive parenting for anxious childhood emotions, is an entirely parent-based treatment for childhood and adolescent anxiety and obsessive-compulsive disorder, or OCD, meaning that although the child youth is the patient in the treatment, and the goal is, of course, to improve their symptoms, 
it's really the parents who are participating directly in the therapy. Yeah, and I think that's so important because a lot of us, and I am not only a clinician, but I'm also a parent to three kids with anxiety and OCD. So kind of eat, live, and breathe it. And I know that it's frustrating when we have kids who don't want to work on their stuff. And a lot of times we feel immobilized. So having this approach that really targets our accommodations and our behaviors to be able to shape our child and improve their their condition is is really optimistic and hopeful and empowering. I know that you do have your previous book, Treating Childhood and Adolescent Anxiety, A Guide for Caregivers, but I was super excited to see that you're having more of a parent-friendly version of it. You know, the other one is great, but it's definitely textbook oriented price-wise. And this one, Breaking Free of Child Anxiety and OCD, a scientifically proven program for parents is, you know, a paperback. It's coming out January 2nd, it says on Amazon. So I'm very excited. People can pre-order that now. And I highly encourage them to. And I'm glad that you put OCD in the title, just as like a little side note, because I did get a lot of questions about that. Whenever I would recommend your book, they'd say, but my child has OCD. I'm like, no, no, trust me. It's for both. So thank you for adding that in your title. So I want to dive into questions directly from people inside my AT parenting community. I've been highly encouraging them to read your book. So they have already read the textbook version of it. And we have been doing kind of a study guide. And so they are knee deep in it already and they have questions. So I'm going to spend the rest of the interview just asking these questions. The first one, well, actually the second one, we'll get into this one. What's the youngest age the space program has been effective with? So the youngest age group for whom we have actually tested empirically space in a clinical study, which is not yet published, but is complete, is actually in the preschool age, meaning the youngest child in that sample was probably turning three, and the oldest was maybe five. Uh, and most were three or four years old. So other clinical trials have focused on older kids, but since you ask about the youngest group, that's actually the youngest age range. That was actually a study that was completed in Singapore and found really good results, even in these very young children. Which is interesting, because it makes me think that maybe even children who are nonverbal, you know, who really can't participate in your traditional, maybe like CBT therapy, would benefit from that as well. Exactly. I think that's exactly right. You know, space is not only a treatment for children who won't do CBT or can't do CBT, but we know that there are many children who won't do CBT or who cannot do it, whether that's because of their motivation, whether that's because of their insight, willingness, or maybe it is because of some verbal and communication difficulty that makes it essentially not feasible to do a direct child-based therapy. So even though space is not a treatment specifically or exclusively for those children, it is fantastic to have a tool in our arsenal that can be used for those children. And so I think that's really a wonderful thing. Yeah, it really was a missing piece of the puzzle. And I, and I do feel like even when you have a child who's very engaged in CBT, for those that don't know what that is, cognitive behavioral therapy, and more specifically ERP exposure with response prevention, I think that this supplement is the missing piece too, that really would make the whole approach more solid. You know, when I was taking your training, I found it interesting when you're talking about your research and you said that CBT and space, the efficacy of them were the same. Can you speak on that? I found that amazing. 
Yes, it is remarkable. It is remarkable. So those were findings from a large clinical trial of space that we conducted and published the results from about a year ago. And in that clinical trial, which was a randomized controlled trial, we enrolled over 120 children who had serious anxiety disorders. And they were randomly assigned to either participate directly in cognitive behavioral therapy, and that was one half of the sample, and for the other half, the parents participated in space, and the children, in that case, actually never met with the therapist directly at all. They met with an evaluator who assessed their symptoms before and after treatment, but they had no direct contact with a therapist. And despite that, the results from the study showed that space was as effective at treating the children's anxiety disorders as was cognitive behavioral therapy, whether that is in terms of what is termed response to treatment, meaning a significant, meaningful reduction in their symptoms, or whether we assess it in terms of remission, meaning they no longer had an anxiety disorder at all by the end of treatment. And what's maybe even more remarkable is that we found that that equivalence in outcomes, we found not only when we looked at our assessors' ratings, and not even only when we asked the parents about the symptoms, but even when we asked the children directly, when they were rating their own symptoms. So then we're comparing ratings from children who just had 12 sessions of really high caliber cognitive behavioral therapy to ratings from children who never met with a therapist at all. And despite that, we had complete equivalence in the outcomes for both treatments. Which is amazing that the children even self-rated and felt like there was that significant progress. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's crazy. And I highlight that because I feel like there are a lot of parents out there and I can kind of hear them in my head where they're like, you know, I don't think me changing my behavior is really going to be as effective as if my child could participate in therapy. And so highlighting the research and the efficacy of it, it's really important to say it's not that we're saying you're causing the struggles, but that we play a pivotal role. And I know this as a parent myself, we play a pivotal role. And when we change our behaviors and our approaches, it has a ripple effect just as much as CBT. So, Yes, exactly. And I'm glad that you mentioned the we're not blaming parents because it really is such an important point to, to make. It's so easy to make that false leap from parents can help their children to overcome an anxiety disorder or obsessive compulsive disorder. It's easy to go from that to parents must be the cause of these problems in the first place. And we know that's just not the case for the vast, vast majority of cases of anxiety or OCD, it's not because you as a parent did something wrong. It's not because you did too much of this or too little of the other thing or anything like that. Children have these problems primarily because of an innate vulnerability and predisposition to these problems. So we're not blaming parents at all, but it really is empowering to use your words to know that I, as a parent, if I have a child who has these problems, I can help them to overcome them. Right. Exactly. So I think it does, when we talk about accommodations, I think parents are so, they're full of guilt often and self-blame. And I get this. I see that in my community. I see that in my own family. You know, it's very easy to do that. And I think it is important, like you said, to highlight as we go into what this program is and how it can help, that it's not because you're doing this that your child has this issue, but it's, we can alter how we approach it and improve. So it's a good thing to highlight. Okay, I have a very specific question and then everything else is very broad. So I'll read this one first because I thought this actually might be a good good one to just kind of show how the space program would approach this. 
She wrote, how can I encourage my daughter to clean up her own messes? It's a challenge for her just right OCD and she doesn't want to attempt it, but she's been making progress in so many areas. I clean up her Cheerios regularly and how to help her be more confident to get her own food. She did try that the other night, but it got messy and I have syrup to still clean up out on a rug. And this particular child, I think it's a teenager, you know, only lived upstairs for a while, kind of gets like physically stuck, I think, at times. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a very good question, but the starting point for approaching these problems in space is a little bit different because we don't actually, in space, we don't focus on how do I make my child do A, B, or C? Or even, how do I prevent my child from doing this, that, or the other? You know, it turns out that if you tell parents, you have to go home and make your child try this scale, or you have to make your child do that thing, you're actually putting them in a very tricky spot. And often you're being more harmful than helpful. Because if your child is willing to try new things and to practice and and take on a challenge, then great, that might go very well. But in a lot of cases, your child may not be that open to it. They may be resistant to it. And then if we, as therapists, are telling parents, you have to make your child do this, what we're actually inviting is quite a bit of conflict and quite a bit of escalation in the parent-child relationship. And that doesn't help the parent or the child. And so in space, the approach is actually not how do I make my child do this, but how can I change what I am doing? And so what we do is we really think a lot about what are the ways in which I, as the parent, through my own behavior, how am I accommodating these problems? And in the context of food, for example, you mentioned trying foods. And actually, I'll just open a very brief parenthesis and and mention that although space has primarily focused on anxiety and on OCD, and that is where the bulk of the research is, we've actually developed a version of space for what is called avoidant restrictive food intake disorder, ARVID. That's what DSM calls it, ARVID. And normal people call this very picky eating. Mm-hmm. This is another context in which you know, parents struggle very much to help their children to eat a broader range of things and to try other foods. And it really can lead to a lot of stress and conflict. And it turns out that parents are usually accommodating this pickiness quite a bit. That might be through the kinds of foods that I offer, for example, the things that I buy, the things that I make available. And so changing my behaviors is always the starting point in space, whether we're talking about food pickiness or we're talking about other symptoms like in anxiety and in OCD. So what I would do with this parent is really sit down and think, what am I doing that makes it easier for this child to avoid that thing that's difficult for them? Maybe I'm cleaning up all the messes because I don't like to see it, right? It's not really that pleasant for me. It's not that comfortable. And so maybe I'm stepping in to clean up the messes. And you may think, well, but if I don't do it, it's just going to stay there forever. That may be true, but actually it may also prove to not be true if we give a child a chance by not stepping in to do it right away. We may bring other things to bear on the situation. So for example, I may not be cleaning it up, but I may be communicating to my child that certain privileges also go along with certain responsibilities. And so I'm not stepping in to clean this up, but there are also some limitations on what a child is able to do while this mess remains. Or I may ask for help from other people, like an aunt or a grandparent or an uncle who might speak to the child and say, you know, I know how hard it is for you to deal with this kind of thing. But it's also really important that the household be able to function. 
And so the whole time, we're not forcing the child to do anything, but we're thinking a lot about the ways in which we are accommodating the problem, and we're doing this in a supportive way, right? We're communicating to the child that we do understand the genuine difficulty that they're experiencing, that they're not just being lazy or being spoiled or irritating or things like that. We're actually understanding the genuine difficulty that they face, that we also believe in their ability to tolerate that difficulty, to handle that and cope with it. And when you do those things, when you reduce the accommodation, but in a really loving and supportive way, that's when we often will see the change in the child's behavior. Yeah. And I knew you were going to say that when I read that question. I was like, I thought it was such a good one because it is a shift in thinking for parents to think of not their child's behavior, but their behavior and what you can control, which is actually easier because I know what I can control versus what I want my child to do. So. That makes sense. Okay. And these questions are random, so they're not going to really feed off of each other. Can it be used with children who have other occurring diagnoses like intellectual disabilities, autism, ADHD? And actually somebody else asked ODD and PDA, which is pathological demand avoidance, which isn't DSM yet, but all of those. Right. So we have to break this down a little bit because there's a wide range of comorbidities in there. And the answer varies a little bit for some and for others. In our clinical trials, we have included children with comorbid depression, with comorbid ADHD, attention deficit, and with comorbid oppositional defiant disorder, ODD. Uh, These are common comorbidities. And frankly, if you were to develop a treatment for anxiety disorder that only worked for cases of anxiety disorder and nothing else, that would be a very limited utility because it's so common for children to have comorbid problems that that's the real world and you need your treatments to be effective in the real world. So we include them in the trial and the answer for those would be a clear yes. A child can have comorbid depression, ADHD, ODD. Autism, a little bit different. Clinically, we have experience applying space in children with autism. And although it's not as common a comorbidity of anxiety, the opposite, though, is very true, which is that it's actually quite rare to see a child with autism who doesn't also have anxiety. And so clinically, we have good experience and I would say a more tentative yes, because what we don't have is clinical trials of space in children with autism. We are actually right now conducting the very first clinical trial of space for anxiety in children with autism in particular. And so we'll have more rigorous evidence when that trial is complete, but a tentative yes. For children with intellectual delay, if we're talking about serious intellectual delay, we actually do not really have enough experience for me to give a good, strong answer. And so what I would say is you could try. I don't think that you will do harm if you approach it cautiously and thoughtfully, but we have not had that experience. So I have to be cautious with my response. Okay. That's really good news about autism and the current research going on, because I feel like that's another area that sometimes is really hard clinically for me as a therapist to approach. So having another modality would be super helpful. I get this question a lot, as I'm sure that you probably do much more than I do. Um, How does a parent deal with explosive reactions to removing accommodations? Yes. Well, parents who go through space or even parents who read the book and work through space on their own will find that there is a good set of tools for coping with those difficulties because it comes as a shock to nobody 
that children do not always respond with cheer and glee when we start removing the accommodations. Children don't universally embrace their parents and thank them for not accommodating. It's common that children, in the short term, and this passes and improves, but in the short term, children may become upset. And that can be them being more anxious in the short term. It can be them being angry. And what parents really learn to do is to not fuel that escalation in the child's emotion, to not retaliate, not lash out in response, and not even to try too hard to calm the child down in the moment. If you have something that you know that you can do that is really successful and always works with this kid, then go ahead and, and, and do it. But in many cases, parents' attempts to calm the child when they're angry because they're not accommodating actually maintain this level of affect, of feeling, and of anger even longer because your child is there. What they want you to do is do the accommodation. You're trying to calm them now, but you're not doing the accommodation, and you're just irritating them more and frustrating them more. And so one thing that parents learn to do is to disengage from that anger and to trust to the fact that the child will calm down, and they will. If a child's level of anger or actual aggression is beyond what you might feel safe disengaging from, then there are more specific tools for how we can cope for with uh, behaviors like actual physical violence or, or real destruction of property or things like that. But in most cases, we're talking about a child being angry. And of course, they're angry. And parents can remind themselves, this is my child being anxious, right? I always say to parents, you know, everybody knows that phrase, fight or flight. Often we forget that half of that is fight. Mm -hmm. And what it means is that a child who is anxious can manifest that through fear and, you know, uh, avoidance, cowering in the corner, but they can also express it through anger. So this is your child being anxious right now because you're not accommodating, but they will cope with it. They will calm down and they will learn that they're able to handle that situation. So it will get easier for them over time. Yeah, that makes sense. Is space therapy only recommended for parents of kids who are not in therapy? In other words, is it worthwhile to pursue space if your child is in active therapy with a different modality? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You can do space alongside and in conjunction with direct child therapy. Maybe the child is in cognitive behavioral therapy. Maybe they're getting a medication or, or some other form of intervention. You can do space alongside that. The only thing that I would say is if it's two therapists who are delivering these interventions, there should be a level of coordination and communication between those therapists so that both treatments will synergize and actually work better rather than potentially uh, working at odds with each other. But if there is that coordination and communication between the providers, or if it's the same provider doing both, you can absolutely do space alongside child therapy. Yeah, I think it would be great if you're doing it on your own or if you have a therapist. We typically use the raw screen method of collaborative parenting. Can space be used in a way that is compatible or is it inherently behavioristic? So explain that to me a little. Well, what I'm getting at what she said is because we talk about you're not really collaborating with your child in pure space per se. It's not their choice necessarily. Although I read between the lines and from what I got from you, but you can definitely correct me if I'm wrong, is if your child's willing to collaborate, you're more than, but you can't do it in your research because you're trying to make it pure, pure. But, you know, for me, if I'm trying to do a space approach, I can ask my child, these are the things that I do to accommodate your OCD or your anxiety. Which one would you like me to pull back? Like we can collaborate in that way. I think that's what she's saying is 
Okay. You add collaboration to that. Okay. I wasn't sure if I understood the question. There was a term in there that I'm not sure if I understand what she or, or he meant by it, but I'll, I'll answer the question as you framed it now, and I hope we're answering the right question. But yes, absolutely. There can be, space can be a collaborative process with the child. If you have a child who's open to working on this, they are receptive to making some changes in these accommodations, then they can have input into the process. And that can be a positive thing. It gives them a bigger sense of control. It gives them a sense of ownership and involvement and engagement that may also mean that they respond better to the changes when the parents make them. When you have a child who's not open to it and is not receptive to that, then being able to do this treatment without the need for your child's endorsement and collaboration is a tremendous strength of space because it means that we can help those children who are maybe not open to doing this kind of work or not insightful about their problem or, you know, for whatever reason, are not really on, on board. And so it means that we're not helpless in those situations and can still help this child. But if the child is open to it, then it can be a more collaborative process. Yeah. You know, and I think that's nice that it's not dependent on that so that if your child doesn't want to collaborate, it's not like that's the end of the line. Exactly. And what sometimes will happen is that you may have a child who's not very open to it at first and is entirely focused on, no, what I want is for these accommodations to just continue. And, and then maybe you have to start with less collaborate, less input from them and, and less engagement on their part. But as you start making the changes and the child, A, realizes that you actually can do this and, and will do it, and B, actually learns that they can cope with that, they may become more open to it and more receptive to it and then become more engaged in the process as you move forward. Yeah, definitely when they start to see that you're going to do it no matter what, they might want to participate. They may not, but they might want to. Would you consider an online space program for parents living outside of the U.S.? And I have a second question to that. We have a lot of parents from the U.K., from South Africa, from Germany, Canada. Do you have an online space program? I didn't know if it was just for therapists or if it's for parents as well in the U.S. When we're talking about an online program, are we talking about telemedicine, as in a therapist doing the treatment over teleconference like Zoom? Or are we talking about like a website in which I'm doing it electronically, but without a human being on the other side? Well, that's a really good question. I meant like your trainings, like your workshops. But mm -hmm. you do bring up another good point of like space trained clinicians as well. So maybe answer both. Okay. So the trainings themselves for clinicians, we are holding online and people are participating from really around the world, from Australia and people from, you know, really around the world. So those are, those are online, but that is training therapists in how to deliver the treatment. Then we have doing the therapy over teleconference, which certainly in you know, the world we've been living in for the past year has been a, an important thing to, to think about. And even in a non-COVID world is an important thing because not everybody has access to a local therapist who's right nearby and that they can go to. And the truth of the matter is that we were doing space treatment over teleconference, like Zoom, even prior to COVID. We've been doing that for years with very good success. And parents love this because it means, you know, I don't need to think about childcare. I don't need to drive to the appointment and park. And we cut out so much time from it and it becomes so much easier and accessible. And space, much more than many other therapies, actually lends itself to doing it over teleconference because it's 
an adult speaking to adults. Mm -hmm. And that is actually quite a bit easier than doing some forms of therapy. You know, like doing play therapy with a young child over Mm -hmm. Zoom is quite a big challenge. Whereas doing space really lends itself to that modality. And I'm very confident saying it works just as well. There isn't an online space treatment, like a website to do space yet. There actually is a project in the works, but it is too early to say any more than that little teaser. What there is is the book. And so parents who access this book, Breaking Free of Child Anxiety and OCD, can work through the treatment on their own. It's not a website, but it is a way to do this treatment on your own. So in your list of providers, you have some that are out of the country? Absolutely. Okay, so on your website, you do have a directory. Yes, absolutely. The space website, which maybe you'll be able to put a link to it somewhere, but I'll just say the space website is spacetreatment.net. So very simple, spacetreatment.net. And one of the tabs there is called Space Providers. And it's a list of providers with hundreds of providers that is searchable by state within the United States or by country. And the list of countries obviously does not cover every single country yet, but is growing all the time because as people participate in the workshops, they get added to this list. And there are definitely people in the UK, including in in England, there are people in Ireland, there are people in other countries in Europe and in Asia and Middle East and elsewhere. Well, and that's really hopeful. And actually, we do have a lot of people in Australia too, in the community. And a lot of times they do struggle with finding providers. So having just that other outlet to find a provider in a country that maybe doesn't even have a lot of anxiety, no CD pediatric therapists could be super helpful. Yes, I really encourage parents and and therapists to visit that website, the spacetreatment.net website, and there's the list of providers. And there's also many other resources that parents can access or, or therapists can access to learn more about this treatment and to interact with other forums where they can interact with uh, with others around the topic. So it's a very good resource, I think, for people to visit. Yeah, it's a great website and there's a lot of good videos on there. And I also like, you know, for therapists that are listening, you know, there are the workshops that you have are listed and I highly recommend it. So good for parents and clinicians. A couple of just compliments that people wanted me to read to you. I would really like to thank you and Dr. Omer for writing your book. It gave our family an approach that really worked with Miss Ten. Now, this is actually a mom from South Africa. And um, when her therapist told me Miss Ten was treatment resistant to therapy and she could not help us any further, it was a blow. But your book helped us to keep helping Miss Ten. So she wanted me to let you know. She actually was the one that was like singing your praises like a, a long time ago. And reached out to me and said, do you know who Ellie Lemowitz is? <laughs> She's a librarian. She's very like astute and involved in research. And she was. Well, that, that is really moving to hear. I appreciate it. Yeah. You made a huge impact in their life. And another person wrote, I'm just so thankful for the space program. It's the first time I've had hope in years. Not kidding. Years. I want to thank you. Mm-hmm. And then I have the last question. Well, I'm just dipping my big toe into the space program. I'm reading her question. However, I wish this approach had been around in a virtual format years ago because I really see a need for it in the pandas pans community. In our world, just like the straight up OCD world, we desperately need interventions as parents that we can implement when the children are too sick for therapy. As parents, we unintentionally grow the OCD and the space program provides a methodology to stop feeding the beast. Are you considering or have you reached out to the pandas pans community to educate them about the space program? Well, first of all, thank you for the kind words in the comment because I appreciate that. And we have treated, and I myself have treated, multiple cases where the likely diagnosis was PANS, which is the new PANDAS. 
And with good results, and it's such a challenging situation for parents, it really can be such a bewildering and uh, confusing and overwhelming challenge for parents when, when a child develops those symptoms, often very acutely and with quite extreme symptoms in many cases. And so we've been able to have really good impact using space in that context where often other treatments are really not necessarily viable. Have I considered reaching out to people in the PANS community? And there are certain people that I know professionally, colleagues and others within what I would think of as the PANS community in terms of their work and research focus and things like that, who are aware of space. And we have repeatedly presented this material through the Obsessive Compulsive Disorder Foundation conference, where many people interested in PANS will often attend. And if there are other connections and, and introductions and people to, to speak with, then we're always happy to do that as well. Yeah. And it, I mean, I think it can be helpful for anyone, regardless of the trigger or what, what is going on. So appreciate you answering all these questions. I'm, I'm so excited about your book coming out. Everyone can get that, Breaking Free of Child Anxiety and OCD. And it's coming out January 2nd, but you can pre-order it right now on Amazon or I'm assuming anywhere you can purchase books. I definitely would recommend going to your website and checking out all those resources as well. And I will leave links in the show notes, but it is spacetreatment.net and you can find those links. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thank you for your contribution to the anxiety and OCD world. You know, I thank you as a mom and as a clinician. The work is invaluable. Well, thank you very much. I really enjoyed hearing these questions and speaking with you. And thank you for the work that you're doing on behalf of uh, so many parents who are benefiting from your work. Yeah, my pleasure. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that interview. It was such an honor to have him on and to talk to him about his work because I really value the SPACE program and what it's doing to fill in the missing gaps that a lot of us have felt, both as a parent to a child with anxiety and OCD and as a therapist. So you can learn more about the SPACE program at spacetreatment.net. Highly recommend that. You can find the provider directory for those of us that have been trained in the SPACE program on there. You can also, as a clinician, find out when his next workshop is going to be so that you can become certified in the space approach as well. And for either therapist or parent, definitely worth getting his book, his new book, Breaking Free of Child Anxiety and OCD. It is coming out January 2nd, but like I said before, you can pre-order it right now on Amazon. And I would highly recommend doing that because it's going to be fantastic. It's a very simple book to read and follow and to implement. I am creating an online study guide course that would supplement the book. So for those that want kind of someone to go through it with them, I have created video lessons and worksheets that kind of flesh out what you would be doing in the book. Cause I know that you may not be able to find a space provider currently, but that will change. And it sounds like there's something really cool in the works for maybe an online space website or something. I will learn more as I find out, I will share that with you. He didn't say anything, but it sounded good. So if you want to get on my wait list for my online study course, that will be coming out in March. You can text the word space program to the number 44222, and I'll add you to the wait list and you'll be the first to know when it's coming out. And I, in the interim, I would definitely recommend getting the book, walking through it. It is very easy to follow and very easy to implement. You just need to know how. So if you're enjoying the podcast and you feel like I am offering you some value in your parenting to a child with anxiety or OCD, I greatly appreciate you hitting a star on iTunes or wherever you consume your podcasts. And if you have a few extra minutes to write a review, I greatly appreciate that. I always like to try to end my show reading one of them. 
So I want to say thank you to Dana, who wrote, thank you. I just discovered this podcast from a Google search after my child received a diagnosis of OCD. Your website and podcast have already encouraged and informed me and my husband so much. Thank you for this content. Well, I'm impressed that Google found me. And thank you for leaving a review. And maybe if you leave a review, I'll be reading yours next time. So I hope you find the sparkle in everything you do. And I'll talk to you again next Tuesday. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. To get additional support raising a child with anxiety or OCD, visit Natasha's online school of on-demand classes at atparentingsurvivalschool.com. 